There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show, a special edition for you guys. We're going to be talking all things NFL draft props. This is part one of multiple shows that we're going to be bringing out for you guys for the draft. Next week, we're going to be detailing specifics about mock drafts and other props that you can get. But we do have a special guest in addition to my traditional co-host on the Wednesday show, Ben Solak. We have Ryan McChrystal from my website, Sharp Football Analysis. And I want to talk a little bit about both of your guys' backgrounds in the NFL draft. And so I'll go ahead and start with you, Ryan, since you're the guest here. I know that you have a history of having success in accurately predicting mock drafts. Um, you have done this for more than five years, I'm sure. But over the last five years, a, a website called The Huddle Report grades the most recent five years. You are the third most accurate mock drafter uh, in the world who submits their reports to the huddle report. Talk to me a little bit about your draft experience and your draft background. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Warren. Uh, so this will be my 19th year covering the draft, my 18th year participating in that huddle report contest. 
um, started out launching my own website back in 2004. And since it was back uh, pre-social media days or very early social media days, there weren't like 10,000 uh, mock drafts out there. So it, it got a lot of attention early on. And I was able to parlay that into a job at ESPN after I graduated college and have just continued writing about the draft ever since then. So yeah, my success in mock draft has certainly evolved over the years. You know, it's definitely been like a process to try to narrow down like what's the right way to go about it. Um, but yeah, as you said, I've had success recently. I think I've got a pretty good process and hopefully I can uh, help some people out giving some good prop ideas uh, this, this uh, today. No doubt about it. And you're on mock draft 7.0 up at chart football analysis. Uh, and 8.0 is going to be your final one. Now, Ben Solak, he doesn't have a number on his mock draft. He just churns them out whenever he wants. I'm not sure the one that I pulled from you a couple of days ago, Ben, if you know mm -hmm. what that one was, but talk to us a little bit about your draft experience, because if I'm not mistaken, I know at one point you worked at the Draft Network, and yeah. I think you mentioned on the other podcast I listened to uh, with DK that you cut your teeth, so to speak, with the NFL Draft. So talk to everybody about how long you've been covering the draft and kind of how you came up in that industry. Yeah. Uh, unranked Ben Solak on the Huddle Report <laughs> mock draft rankings. Um, no, it's because it's a five-year average, and I've, I've only submitted a mock for four years because uh, I have not been doing this for as long as Ryan has. Um, but yeah, I started working in, in NFL coverage specifically through the draft. Uh, and so I had, uh, I started the draft network. Oh man, years, uh, like 2018 part-time and 2019, I started there full-time. So I've done uh, full first round mocks for 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Uh, 2021 was my first year where I was like, actually like good. Like I, I, I had a good score that year. I started to like learn the ins and outs, how to figure out all right, this, then that and whatever. Um, but I came up doing scouting. Right. And so a lot of my my initial background of the draft is evaluating the players. Um, and then over the last couple of years, I've obviously got more into gambling. We did the gambling show this year. And then you discover, oh man, this NFL draft market, it's pretty soft. This is all right. We got, we have a good time over here. Uh, so yeah, I came up initially scouting players and I've, I've, I've grown into more NFL coverage since then. And you are absolutely correct about that. Um, I know from talking to an unnamed source at one of the books that they don't want to open up their full menu of draft props until the week of the draft because they did it earlier last year and got absolutely annihilated. So um, we will see plenty of opportunities to find value in these uh, draft props. And my motto of going into attacking the market is you either get in early searching for value without all the information, or you come in when you've obtained enough information that you think you have a definitive edge in the marketplace. And this could even be day of the draft once some of these rumors get confirmed a little bit more. And we'll talk about information and we'll talk about uh, rumors and sources, et cetera, further on in this pod. Uh, and then you just pounce. And even if a prop is lined at minus 200, minus 250, if that prop has a 90% odds of hitting and implied probability higher than the odds that you're going to be laying and you can use converters to convert odds into implied probability, it's a bet you need to make. It's a bet professionals yeah. are going to be making. So don't get scared off by some of the heavier juice that you might have to lay on draft props, especially closer to uh, game day. They will pull them down when it's been overbet too much. Um, but until then... A, a sure, th a relatively sure thing is is a relatively sure thing. Um, let's get into the concept of this show. What I want to do here is I want to walk through the positional draft market. So we're going to start with uh, what usually is the number one selection, the primo 
position group in the NFL, and that's the quarterbacks. And we're going to walk our th- way through a lot of these different positions, um, eventually getting to uh, some of the positions that aren't expected to go quite frequently in this first round. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Okay, I want to tell you guys very briefly the overall pick of the first quarterback taken in each NFL draft dating back to 2000, starting with 2021. Number one, number one, number one, number one, number two, number one, number one, number three. Now we're at 2013. That was EJ Manuel's draft class. That was pick number 16 overall. Then we're down to 2012. Number one, number one, number one, number one, number three, number one, number three, number one, number one, number one, number one, number one. Number 18 is 2000. That's Chad Pennington. The bottom line here is that usually this is the primo group. People are trading up, jumping over, cutting in front of each other in line to get the quarterbacks here. And that's really not the case in this year's class. We do not have that upper echelon high-end talent from these quarterbacks. So what I want to do right now is forget team needs, forget who your GM is and who he likes to go after based upon what you know that wins and translates into the NFL right now. I'm going to ask each of you, starting with Ben, give me your top four quarterbacks in order. No explanation as to why you have them ranked this way. Who do you have one through four, Ben? Uh, Ritter, Willis, Cavern. Yeah, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett. Okay, Ryan? So I'm surprised that we're in agreement at number one, but I also have Desmond Ritter, then Pickett, then Willis, and then I have Carson Strong, who I'm not downgrading due to the injuries as much as I think some people probably are. Yeah, yeah. thing about Ritter is he's a good football player, and that's why you rank him high. (laughs) Of course. So now I assume, I know this line has changed, and we're not going to talk too much about what lines have been because we want you guys to be able to bet on things that are available today to bet on. Um, But... Ritter to be the first quarterback selected is an interesting prop. We'll talk about that momentarily because what I want you to do right now is take the same type of exercise, but pivot slightly. Now I want you to base it somewhat on what your current mock draft is or what you're currently thinking about the actual order you think these guys are going to come off the board. Mm -hmm. Please tell me the pick number and the draft team that you think is going to select the top four quarterbacks taken in the draft, Ben? Uh, oh, man. Uh, six, not the Panthers, Malik Willis. 20-ish, Ritter. 26, Titans. Corral, Pickett. Uh, 32, <laughs> Lions, Corral. Sure. <laughs> okay, so you do have four potentially going in the first round, which it's, the total is possible, three and a yeah. half. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. Okay. Ryan, same exercise for you. Okay. So, well, my mock draft right now, I've got Willis at 18, Pickett at 20. And I think regardless of who takes them, that's the range where the first quarterbacks come off the board. Then I have 26 Titans. And then the fourth quarterback will be day two. I don't know. Maybe the Falcons early on day two. Yeah. Who do you have Titans taking at 26? Right now, I have them taking Ritter. Okay. So, Although both of you guys believe that Ritter is the best QB, you don't actually think he's going to be the first off the board. Ben thinks it's going to be Mm -hmm. Willis. Actually, both of you guys think it's going to be Willis, just in totally different ranges. And we're going to talk a little bit about his over or under on that prop. I want to ask you this other question now, and that is, 
in Peter King's article, I believe, that came out the other day, there was speculation floated that if a team wanted a quarterback, they should think about trading up ahead of the Panthers, and even potentially the Panthers should look to trade up a spot or two so they can get the quarterback that they want. Now, I personally think this had to have been floated out there by a New York GM who just wants somebody to trade up to get his fourth mm-hmm. or fifth pick. Uh, but let me ask you each this very basic two-part question. Yes, yes. Yes, no, no, no. Give me just a yes or no answer. Question one, do you think the Panthers should trade up to get the quarterback? I already know Ben because he says, no, they're going to trade down. And number two, do you think any other team needing a quarterback should trade up ahead of the Panthers into that top five? Ben? No, no. Ryan? No, no one's taking a quarterback that high. Okay, so... A lot of, a lot of, I mean, this is just our opinion, of course. We're three educated gentlemen here. These guys are better at the mock drafting than I am. Uh, but we all think that this rumor is relative BS. And there's a lot of BS that's going to get floated around uh, this draft season. So let's start talking about the top of this draft class for the quarterback position. And we're talking about Willis and we're going to start talking about some of his draft props. Before we get there, I do want to mention this stat, Ryan, you posted this on Twitter the other day, I thought was interesting. And that was that, you know, a lot of this could be blamed on his offensive line. That is true. Willis took a sack or scrambled on 51% of his dropbacks when he was pressured last year. The NFL average last year was 26%. And the highest percentage over the last five years for a quarterback drafted in the first round during the final year of college, which was what Willis was in last year when he hit 51%, was 33%. So he is running the ball, tucking the ball, looking to throw it less than normal, uh, in part because of the O-line. Obviously, that's something we we want the quarterbacks to go ahead and scramble in the NFL. We also want them to uh, try to find reads down the field, especially if blitzes are coming. That means somebody might have a good opportunity to catch the ball. The other thing I thought that was interesting in this draft class is this class overall, compared to last year's class and some prior classes, threw deeper far more than what the average class throws in terms of their average percentage of throws that are traveling 20 plus yards, but they all had far less accuracy and they all (laughs) had far worse overall results. And so when we're talking about trying to have a quarterback that we know we need a quarterback that's going to still be explosive in the NFL. If we're drafting a guy in this first round, we need somebody who's going to get the ball down the field. And these guys, like if you look at last year's class, I think we had... All of the guys that went top 65, which was Trevor Lawrence, number one, Zach Wilson, number two, Justin Fields, 11, Mac Jones, 15, and then Kyle Trask at 64. You These guys skipping Trey were, Lance? We don't care about Trey Lance anymore? I'm Doesn't sorry, get mentioned Trey, in the group? I, we skipped Trey Lance for going third overall because we don't have 2020 college stats for him oh, because dang, he only right, played one game there. So uh, we're looking at his 2020, the 2020 stats from these QBs in college, their final year before they were drafted. These guys were all exceeding 65% on target rate on passes 20 plus yards down the field. And most of them were exceeding 60% completion rate on these passes thrown 20 plus yards down the field. None of the guys that were expecting to go in this first round even exceeded 50% in their completion rate on 20 plus yard passes. And and I think one of them exceeded 56%. Maybe Ritter did actually 58%, but most of them aren't coming close to that 65% on target mark um, either. Now, I think the Panthers obviously would be insane to take a quarterback at six, I'm glad neither of you guys have them taking one there. I think after two five-win seasons for Matt Rule, this would 
cost him his job potentially having another terrible season. I think any of these quarterbacks, we've talked about their struggles. We talked about them not being upper echelon. We know that this would probably be the first year in some time since that 2013 season that a quarterback's not going to go in the top three of this draft. Uh, so it's a historically, I don't say historically, but recent history, bad quarterback class. Um, Willis is minus 140 to be the first quarterback, and you guys both think that that is where he's going to go. Pickett is plus 150. The next closest is Ritter at 10 to 1. Willis over under is nine and a half. Now, Ben, you think that I believe the Steelers are trading up to get him mm -hmm. at six with the Panthers, and so he'd go under that. Ryan, you think he's going over that. Pickett's over under is 10 and a half. Let's talk about these two quarterbacks themselves right now briefly. Any props related to Pickett or Willis specifically that you like? Again, we're going to tap into all the markets. So whether it's first QB selected or whether it's position over under, we know that most teams don't have, uh, there are some teams that have position to team Carolina does not. Carolina is off the board. They don't have one yeah. for position to team. But any props you like here, Ben, on uh, Willis or Pickett, the first two quarterbacks likely off the board? Yeah, I took the Willis under at nine and a half when it was plus money. At minus 102, we're starting to get to the area in which I think uh, it's more appropriately priced. Uh, I would love to see this line get up a couple more because I think that 11 for Washington is a, is a spot where you start thinking about a floor for Willis, and that's off, off my read of how desperately Washington needs a quarterback. Uh, Rivera said that they wanted to get a veteran this year. They said that at the combine, we need a veteran. And then here's the thing. They got Carson Wentz, and that's the whole solution to their problem. And I think that if Rivera wants to protect his job long-term, getting an actual quarterback of the future is something that's more actionable to them. So I think that 11 is a little bit of a, a number that I'm looking for, but right now I wouldn't touch that one. I think the picket over is more enticing. Uh, a lot of the picket conversation has been the Panthers are going to like him at six because Dave Tepper donates to Pitt and Matt Rule recruited him at Temple. And everything you're hearing out of people who are plugged into Carolina, people who have historically predicted Carolina well, is that Carolina is not interested in taking a quarterback in the top 10. So either the smokescreen is really, really good, which would be surprising for how poorly the Panthers are run, or Pickett <laughs> is not the look at six. And if he's not the look at six, it's difficult to find the team in the top 10 that's going to go out for him. You can kind of talk yourself into it with Willis because the ceiling is super high. With Pickett, that's not the case. Um, so the Pickett uh, over under opened at nine and a half. It's now at 10 and a half. You're obviously paying a lot of juice. But if you can, if you feel confident, comfortable with your bankroll, paying a little bit extra to make that a meaningful bet, then I think it's worth it. Uh, and so the Pickett over at 10 and a half to me makes a lot of sense. Ryan, same question. Anything with these two quarterbacks in particular? Yeah, I like the over for both of them. And the reason I like uh, the over for Willis at nine and a half um, it's basically that, you know, I agree with Ben's logic that the Steelers or somebody else could trade up, but there's really no reason for all, for everything that Ben just laid out. There's no reason to think the Panthers are taking quarterback at number six. Maybe they want mm -hmm. to later in a trade down, but at number six, that seems like a real long shot. So like the trade scenario that Ben laid out moving up to number six, I don't think it really makes sense to me because why would you trade up to number six when you know that some other teams in the top 10 also want to move down? Like, why would you go to six if you know that you could go to number 10? So like, if you are concerned about Washington, like, like for the reasons that right. Ben just said, the jets have been supposedly interested in moving down from one of their two picks. So 
just jump to number 10 if you want to trade up and get ahead of that. Or if you're not worried about Washington, we know the Vikings are also another team at number 12 that want to move down. So I think that 10 or 12, if there's a trade up, those are the two spots that make a lot more sense. So I think that that's probably the earliest that we see a quarterback come off the board. The hook that I'd be worried about is the Falcons at eight, which Atlanta has not made it like has not dropped any any you know breadcrumbs that they're going to take a quarterback at eight um they've done work on the quarterbacks they've been a little bit public with the fact that they like Ritter but then when that Ritter love was out there Ritter was still like oh maybe he's a fringe round two guy right so maybe that was like at 43 we like Ritter um them at eight they, them at eight is a question mark but they've been tied to a lot of wide receivers as well so that's one to watch where if the, if the smoke starts going for the Falcons quarterback at eight now you're in a position where a trade up into that top 10 becomes a little bit more but possible. The other thing to note, if we're talking about Pickett, all these books have different draft markets and they have top five, top 10, top 32. And then you have got your player over-unders. And just to note, Pickett is plus 125 at FanDuel. Uh, almost all these lines that we're going to be pulling today are from show sponsor FanDuel. Uh, Pickett is plus 125 to go top 10. His over-under is 10 and a half. And he's, uh, what is he? to go under 10 half, he's plus 136, which is obviously he'd have to be top 10 there. So you make 9% more on your bet simply by betting his under 10 and a half at plus 136 than you do to bet him to go top 10. So even mm-hmm. we, we know that shopping, line shopping, especially during draft season is vitally important to your bankroll. But even at your at a singular book, you're going to find opportunities and a 9% gain on a bet is significant and should not be overlooked. Let's talk a little bit further about this quarterback prop market. Uh, we already kind of hit top five, top 10 in a way with these guys because, you know, we talked about their positional over-unders, which are so close to number 10. Any of you guys have any value or had taken any bets on the top 32 market, basically the first round market for quarterbacks? I've taken a, quite a bit of Ritter. Uh, I took more Ritter when it was plus 100, uh, plus 110, which is right about where it opened. And that was before kind of his first cor- first QB overall numbers dropped. And it was uh, before those numbers dropped. Now I think FanDuel is at like minus 135 when I was last checking yesterday. Yep, it's uh, minus 135. Because yeah, FanDuel now lets you parlay top 32 picks, which is a bad thing that happened to me. That's not a safe place for Ben to be. Um, but Ritter minus 135 at FanDuel, I still think is... Uh, Welcome. I would still be comfortable betting that. I think that probably minus 160 is a little bit more appropriate. So to get into that like 63, 65% range, but I wouldn't, wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't with the amount of money that I have already on Ritter first quarterback, I'm not going to take any more. So that's kind of like, Hey, if you want to get in on that market, you should Uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN about three weeks ago now basically said, there's this guy that teams keep saying is a first round dude. And they have a first round grade on him, and it's Desmond Ritter, this quarterback out of Cincinnati. And since then, you've heard like you know Matt Miller, Bleacher Report, and you've heard Peter Schrager of NFL Network, and other guys who you know it's always smokescreen season. But the guys who have, who have had legitimate threads before say, "Hey, this Ritter cat feels like a guy who might go round one for a lot of teams." And so, to me, Ritter in the first round is is, is a market I've hit for top thirty two. Yeah, I, I haven't placed any of those bets. I like I, I mean, we said I have all three of those in my first round right now. I do think it's plausible. Um, but given where the lines are, I'm not interested in it because, you know, you mentioned the 2013 draft when you were running through where all the quarterbacks go. And if you remember in that draft at this time in 2013, we were talking about EJ Manuel, Geno Smith, Matt Barkley, Ryan Nassib. Remember when he was QB one at one point in time in 2013, all of those guys, we were hearing about like, Oh, so-and-so likes this guy. So-and-so likes that guy. 
Well, Matt Barkley and Ryan Massive ended up falling to the fourth round. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole lot of chatter about bad quarterbacks in a year when we only have bad quarterbacks. So some of the guys we're talking about as having a shot of sticking in the first round are going to fall a lot further. And I, I just don't have the confidence to say like, yeah, it's a 55% chance Willis goes in the first round or pick it goes or whatever it is. Like I, I can't, I can't get myself much over 50% with any of these guys, even though I'm, I'm going to put them on mock draft because we know someone's going, but I, I just can't say that my confidence level is really that high. On any player over unders you like as it relates to the quarterback market, Ryan. Um, obviously, we know more things haven't been posted, so we do want to know if there's a line that you haven't seen posted, but you may have interest based upon where you think it could come out. That's fine to go ahead and mention that now too. We're also, like I said, coming back next week, and we're going to hit on more of these uh, next week. But anything from an over under market right now that you like? I know you said Willis over already and Pickett as well. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't seen a line for Matt Corral, but I'm interested to see where that one is. I, I would mm-hmm. expect it to be somewhere in like 31, 32, something like that, because he is mentioned at the back of the first round. And I would take the over. I don't think anyone's going to gamble on him in the first round because of sort of the maturity concerns. I, I just think that in a year where, you know, we know that this is a bad quarterback class overall. Are you re- do you really want to be the team that takes the fourth guy who also has maturity questions in the first round in a bad year? I think that, that that's going to be a tough sell for the team. So I think he's more like you know mid to late second round where someone finally decides it's worth the gamble. Right now, Corral, like it's the same thing with, with Ritter. It's like minus 150, I think, on FanDuel right now to go first round. And that to me is that's far too rich for my blood. Uh, and so right now you just have that top 32 prop. That's if he goes, you can't fade it. So if they do open a line with that implied, like minus 150, it'll probably be in that 30, 31 range that Ryan was talking about. And yeah, that'd be a position where I'm I, I'm over because I, I, I view him as being right that third or fourth quarterback off the board. And with a line set at three and a half with the, with heavy juice on the under. Yeah, it's, you know, it's implied that somebody's going to fall out. And I would guess short player coming off an injury, RPO offense with maturity concerns. It's just not a first round profile that we're accustomed to. Okay. Uh, any team to draft a quarterback with the first pick that Matt, you know, a matching marketplace here that anybody has bet thus far? Uh, Steelers take a quarterback. Um, the line that I got, I think was like plus 170, plus 175. I think Fandle opened at like plus 200. And I took that one as well. Uh Pittsburgh's been at every quarterback spot the whole year, baby. Uh, there has been a quarterback throwing a football. Mike Tomlin has been in the building. Uh, they're also in a, a bit of a transition phase with Kevin Colbert, who's their general manager, who like said he was retiring and now maybe like also isn't, but is transitioning to a new role, which is like kind of weird. Uh, so it's a little bit difficult to prognosticate what the organization is in that front office. But if Mike Tomlin has an increase of power, and they finally have ended this Ben Roethlisberger era after a few laborious years to finish there. Yeah, they're 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 primed to take a quarterback, and Pittsburgh particularly is in one of those really strong spots in a weak quarterback draft, right? Where Pittsburgh's at twenty right now. Well, if trading up is cheaper than it usually is, which is what we think, because there's not going to be a big market, and if the top quarterbacks, relative term, but top quarterbacks are falling out of the top ten, which we think is possible, Pittsburgh's got the the freedom now to swing on a franchise guy for the cost of the 20th overall pick and like next year's second, it's great. It's a great bargain to take the swing. It doesn't mean he's going to hit, but it usually costs a lot more to get to the plate to swing on your quarterback. And so Pittsburgh's in a really good spot to, to attack the quarterback position and outside of quarterback, 
have some team needs, but not really desperate team needs. And so for that to be plus money to me was enticing. Steelers take a quarterback was a welcome market. I think the Titans also opened it like plus a bajillion. And I took it for like, you know, a flyer because there have been rumors about the Titans round one quarterback as well. Okay, yeah, it's plus at Pittsburgh take a quarterback right now up at FanDuel is uh, plus 185. Yeah, and Tennessee to take a quarterback is... Actually, I don't even see them listed here with a quarterback as a position. I might have got right it. Now, yeah, Fandu. I might have had it at a different book, but it was, I'm it sorry, was... no, plus nine hundred at for Tennessee, plus yeah, nine hundred for Tennessee. Um, Ryan, anything there, and any other quarterback props that you like out there before we transition to edge rushers? Yeah, no, I don't have any others. The reason I'm not betting for a team specific one is just because. You know, we've seen basically every team meet with every quarterback and go to all of their pro days and have them in for workouts. It really feels like every team is just saying, like, let's meet with them as many times as possible. And maybe we can convince ourselves that one of these guys doesn't suck. And I'm not convinced. I, I just I'm not convinced that any one of these teams is going to ultimately talk themselves into that. So, yeah, some, someone's going in the first round, probably at least two. But I don't know where it, this is going to be a, a really fun draft for that reason. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. And that leads me into the edge rusher position because this is the position that's being rumored and most likely going to contain the top two players in the draft, potentially, you know, multiple players inside the top 10, three, four, uh, upwards of. So let's once again, conduct the same exercise to build a little bit of a framing here. I'm going to ask you, forget team needs, forget who your GM based upon what you need to defend modern NFL offenses and what you saw in college. Give me your top four edge rushers in order with zero explanation, Ben. Uh, Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Walker, Karloftis. Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Karloftis. You say Karloftis? Walker, Karloftis. Walker, Karloftis. Okay. Ryan? I've got Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Karloftis, and Ojabo, who, I, again, I'm not really downgrading injuries on, on my boards. Wow. Give me per, t- per, per Ben and, was, yeah. per ben and Ryan, Desmond Ritter and uh, Keelan Thibodeau. <laughs> Going to be good. <laughs> Karloftis, and who was your th- fourth one? You said you didn't die. D- David Ojabo, the Michigan okay. guy who uh, I believe it was an Achilles injury in his workout. Yeah. So he's, he's probably out of the first round for that reason. Okay, so it was interesting that neither of you selected Walker in your top two. I'm now going to pivot into discussion of where you think they will go in the draft based upon which team is going to draft them. So put on what you think will happen Mm -hmm. next Thursday night. Where do these, where do your top four edge rushers get taken off the board at Ben? Yeah. I'm really interested to hear Ryan here because I think it's Walker one to the Jags, which I know Ryan does not think, which I'm really (laughs) interested. I'm curious to hear what that's about. Uh, I think then it's Hutchett two to the Lions. I think it's Thibault at four to the Jets. And then I think it's Jermaine Johnson at 13 to the Texans. Okay, Ryan, same question. Yeah, so I've got Hutchinson at one still, Thibodeau at two, Walker, I have him at seven to the Giants. It could be five or seven. I think they definitely like him. And then Jermaine Johnson at 10 to the Jets right now. 
And basically my reason for a number to answer Ben's question, like about why I'm not buying into the Trevon Walker talk for one, is just, have we ever seen a team draft a pure projection player at number one? I'm not sure that we ever have. And then the other thing is I have to give full credit to Lance Zierlein of uh, NFL.com for this on his podcast. He talked about how he first heard the whole like uh, bulky loves Alden Smith. And so he thinks that Trevon Walker is the next Alden Smith. He said he heard that back in March. And then over the next week or so, he heard like 10 other guys in the media repeat the exact same line that he was fed. And so basically he was like, if every single person is being fed the exact same line out of Jacksonville, that just sets off alarm bells. So, I mean, so I just sort of was like, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me the way he explained that. And so I'm thinking along the same lines, like, yeah, that seems, that definitely seems a little suspicious. Plus the fact that the logic behind it just doesn't quite add up to me either. So you've got, I'm going to let Ben respond in a second. I want to set the stage just from a few metrics here. First is, production from an efficiency standpoint, because we know Walker didn't get as much run as most of the other edge rushers in this class. Um, But let's look at efficiency when they were out on the field. Uh, This was a stat that Ryan had. Edge pressure rate only, not looking at interior pressure. Uh, Thibodeau was at 18.8%. Hutchinson was at 17.9%. Walker was way down near the bottom of the class at 9.1%. This stat, the next two are from Austin Gale at PFF. Percentage of career pre- career pressures that were unblocked or cleanup. Thibodeau was at 25%. Hutchison was at 25%. Walker was all the way up at 49%. The NFL average of the last few years was down at 36%. So mm-hmm. Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchison had to work harder to get these pressures. 50% of Trevon Walker's, the, the highest of the class uh, of these top guys that we're discussing, came from... Uh, unblocked or cleanup pressures. And then we also know that the career pass, pass rush win rates from PFF on third and four or longer. Thibodeau and Hutchison were 24, 25% respectively. Walker was down at 11% worst of the top end pass rushers. So from a pure production standpoint, we also know that if he were taken in this class, I heard Mina Kimes say this on uh, NFL Live the other day, he would have the fewest sacks, I believe, of any top end pass rusher, maybe it's number one overall pass rusher since at least 2000. Um, and, but what does go for Walker over Hutchinson is, you know, the metrics based upon the traits, the arm length, Walker is up at 95% in arm length at 35 and a half inch arms and wingspan 95 percentile as well. 84 and a half inch, uh, 84 and a quarter inch. Hutchinson is down at 32 and an eighth, which is eighth percentile for edge rushers for his arm length and 78 and an eighth inch wingspan, which is down at the 15th percentile for edge rushers. Right now, Hutchinson is minus 185 to go number one overall. Walker is plus 195. Nobody else is close. Uh, Thibodeau is down at plus 3,000. Ben, you heard what Ryan had to say about these two players in particular. We know that you believe Walker is the third best edge in this class, but you think that he is going to be taken by Jacksonville number one overall. Trent Baalke making the move to grab the third best of this class. Respond to Ben as to why Mm -hmm. you think Baalke is going to make that move and Walker is going to go number one overall. Yeah, so I heard from an unnamed source that Trent Baalke thinks that Alden Smith is a good comparison. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that that line is, has certainly done the rounds. 
Uh, to me, what what I end up with, like, the, I think that line, right, it, like, has certainly been fed. I think it, like, you know, it, it's it's shocking how many people have had it. I think you very clearly have a house divided in Jacksonville. I think that Bulky does legitimately like Trayvon Walker. I think that that is real, and that's that's the whole Alden Smith comparison. But that's also just like what the 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 word on the street has been to me over the course of time. I don't think that there's that much interest in Trayvon and the coaching staff. I think that that's a little bit more like Ikem Aquanu and Aiden Hutchinson, right? The, the Aquanu hype kind of peaked right post combine for the, the Jaguars. And that's usually when the coaches start to, to, to make moves in, in the rumor mill. Uh, and so I think that like there's a, a, a divided house there. And so when there's a divided house, it's very tough to say with certainty who's going to be picked, right? I think it's Walker now. I'll be very happy to change my mind in 10 days if we get something different coming out of Jacksonville. But if it's a house divided, I'm generally going to fall back on the side of, well, who's the guy who turns the card in? And to me, that's 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 the general manager who I, I expect likes Walker, right? That's not a good pick, period, right? The fact that we're discussing, like we said it was a bad quarterback class. It's a bad class, period, right? Like Walker's not a good first overall guy. Neither is Aiden Hutchinson, man. Hutchinson had, had four and a half career sacks before this year, right? It, 14 sacks this season uh, after getting the extra COVID year of eligibility, right? That if he didn't have, or not like eligibility, like he needed it, but getting that extra year off, getting a year older, that if he didn't necessarily have, like could have been coming out as a oh, good project, good explosiveness, arm length is a bit of a concern, right? Like that sort of a conversation, not wow, so productive, big 10, Heisman, you know, push, whatever, yada, yada, yada. So this, this one peak year of production, which you see in a guy like Hutchinson, you see in a guy like uh, Kenny Pickett, that really concerns me for, for, for a lot of these prospects profiles. Hutchinson is not the sort of edge we typically see go number one. Kayvon Thibodeau is not the sort of edge that we typically see go number one. And so the, all of these guys have a degree of projection to them. I think if there were a, a more slam dunk tape eval on Hutchinson, it would not be a debate, but there isn't. And that's what opens the door for Walker, opens the door for this uncertainty certainty and what clearly is kind of like a a little bit of a a clown car organization right now in Jacksonville (laughs) who made a lot of aggressive free agency moves. I think that that them making Walker the first overall pick is not like it's it's out there. It's wild. But that's what Jacksonville's been telling us they're doing. Uh, And so to me, it does it. It does. I'm not intimidated by that that idea. Okay, so, you know, a lot of where we are seeing uh, this market go, you could have a lot of value here because these guys are at the top of the draft. I think it's very important to try to pair the second overall pick with what you're planning on doing on the first overall pick because there's value in that marketplace due to that uncertainty. Right now, Thibodeau is plus 130 to be the second pick in this draft. And Hutchinson is plus 85, Walker is plus 550. Um, obviously, both of you guys believe that Thibodeau is the best edge rusher in this class. At one point, though, Ryan, you said that because of some character concerns or question marks, you were leery that Detroit would actually take him number two based upon Brad Holmes and his GM history and things that he've said publicly about character. I was listening to, you mentioned Lance Zierlein, his podcast this morning mentioned that he doesn't think that the Lions like Thibodeau. That was a pod that just dropped today that I was listening to. So um, I don't know if you guys can connect any dots here. What do you think is going to be that number two overall pick? I'll start with you, Ryan. Who do you think goes number two? I mean, it's certainly up in the air. I don't have a ton of confidence. I did bet Thibodeau, but this was a couple of weeks ago when it was at like plus 450 or something like uh, that. I got plus 500, suck it. <laughs> nice. But yeah, with that at plus 130, I'm not interested in that because this yeah. is still a toss-up because 
I mean, a big reason for that is for all the reasons that Ben just laid out. If Walker goes number one, uh, that means Thibodeau is probably not going number two because the Lions would probably prefer to take the safer prospect without any type of you know character maturity questions in uh, Hutchinson if he's available. Uh, I, I mean, Thibodeau is certainly an option for them if uh, Hutchinson goes number one, but I, it's it's tough to say. I mean, I would say less than fifty percent odds on and anybody there. Okay, so. Let me go this route. Let's start rattling off some of the prop bets that you like for this position. Um, any top five, top 10, or top 32 bets that you like at the edge position, Ben? Uh, top five, top 10, no. I think that it's very clear who's going to go top, like in that range. I think Hutch, Thibodeau, and Walker are all clearly top 10 picks. I think Hutch and Walker, to me, I expect to be top five picks, though the Walker thing is weird, right? I think there's like a whole like, all right, like the Jags at one. If not the Jags at one, then right. It's like Giants at five, but also seven. So that makes it tricky. The Texans at three, but also 13. So like they really have to love him to go for him there. Otherwise, they can wait for their second pick to go get an edge. So that's tricky, but I think Thibodeau's top 10. So unless you really want to lay the juice with Jermaine Johnson, which again, like I, I wouldn't really want to just because the range is pretty wide uh top top five and top 10 i don't like top 32 you get two names that are right around like minus 115 and that's boy mafe out of minnesota and arnold up katie out of penn state these are these are two names to continue to watch i wouldn't be jumping to lay a bet right now uh there's rumors that both are fringe first round guys uh there's rumors that kansas city at 29 and 30 have looked into both players I will say that we have seen the success of Penn State athletes in the league over the last couple of years. Evicady is a Temple transfer into Penn State who tested very well as a productive, bendy outside rusher, which is typically a profile that gets prioritized as opposed to a guy like Mafe, who's a little bit more technique, toughness, you know, grit, which kind of can, you know, you can find more guys like that later. So Evicady is a name to watch as a top 32 pick. Right now, like I think it's minus 115 to FanDuel. That's something that I was willing to take because I think it's going to happen off my evaluation. But if you're just betting the draft for fun, I would more so keep an eye on the rumor mill, you know, put a star next to that name. And if you and if we start to see a little bit more Epic Katie hype, I think he's a worthy late first round pick given the profile and a team would be wise to make that pick late 20s, early 30s. Ryan, same question. Yeah, there's not much here that I like, but Eva Katie was another one that I was going to mention too for all the same mm-hmm. reasons, especially because we think that we're probably going to see a fairly early run on end rushers and then there's a drop off. So we're basically going to probably get to wherever Karloftis comes off the board, which, you know, maybe that's 13, maybe that's, you know, 15, 16, something around there. He's a tough one to figure out. Karloftis is the over-unders at 17 and a half, which feels like bait because he should go before (laughs) that. But also there's like a lot of NFL mocks, ESPN mocks don't have him go into like the twenties, which to me is weird. So he's a tough one to, to land. Yeah. My read on that is that I think that there's sort of a consensus that he probably belongs in the twenties. But because he's the last of that top tier, I don't think he's going to last that long. I think someone's going to be like, you know, we can't trade down and get someone later. There's a big gap between what's going to be on the board for us in the second round. So I I think somewhere I could see him going to the Texans. I could see the Eagles maybe taking him. Like there's, there's enough options in the teens. But then after that, like who's the next guy? We're not going to go the whole half of the second round without another edge rusher or the whole half of the first round without another edge rusher coming off the board. And so of that next group, I like Abacady for all, for all the reasons that Ben just said. Mafe, he does appear in some mock drafts. I would not bet that. I would caution against that. He's 23 yeah. years old, and he played on a really, you know, I mean, mediocre to bad Minnesota defense and was a situational pass rusher for that. He was not a three-down defensive lineman on a pretty bad defense, and he's an older prospect. So there's some red flags there that I, I think you'd, 
for him to go in the first round, I think someone would have to really feel desperate to need to address that position. I'm not sure there's a team out there that uh, sort of has that profile, someone who needs to be that desperate. Any player over-unders that you like for the edge position that you think have value right now, Ben? Yeah, like I said, the Karloftis one is tough to land. Uh, uh, the the Aiden Hutchinson one is one that is interesting at one and a half with like a, a lot of plus money in the over if you think that you're going to get Walker. You think that Aquanu is in there, but there's other ways to bet that market that are more profitable. I like Thibodeau like under, you know, four and a half, five and a half. But at this point, I'm not taking it. I already have a position on it. And, and, and like I said, there's a range for, for the edges right now. It's not a clear top three. And when it's not a clear top three, it makes top five and top 10 betting really tough. Ryan. Yeah. N- nothing for me. It's, this is a tough market. There's not going to be a lot of edge rusher bets in all place. Okay. Anybody like anything with a team to pick match for their first pick to be an edge? Not particularly. Uh, Fandle had an early line posted that was really, really good for an edge going to the Cardinals, but they didn't have, they had like defensive line and linebacker posted, and it was very unclear how they were going to grade certain edges for if they're like a defensive lineman versus a linebacker, which something to be really careful of. So if you're going to bet, oh, I think the, you know, Eagles are going to take a defensive lineman, double check the rest of the positions and make sure that edge is listed or if edge is not listed, understand that like, you know, George Karloftis might be a defensive lineman, but David Ojabo might be a linebacker, given how the book is grading that. So nothing I really like, but if you're going to bet that market, just do your due diligence on all, all, all the listed positions. All right, final question on this. I'll toss it to both of you guys. Yes, you got one. No, you don't. And then we'll move to wide receivers. Anything else from the edge position? A guy that's online that you might want to take his over-under later on, um, or somebody that you've got a particular rumor about or something else interesting that could help us in the future if we're placing bets on these guys? Ben first? Nothing particularly. I think if anything, it's the fact that a a team could really, really sell out early for Jermaine Johnson and make him a surprising pick. Apparently, like coaches really like him, like the cut of his jib. He's a tough guy, good run defender, yada, yada. But nothing actionable to me. Okay, Ryan? I'm interested to see what the line on Drake Jackson, USC's edge rusher, will eventually be once that gets posted. I think he's an early second round guy. Small, small chance he sneaks into the back half of the first round if someone's really desperate. But he's young. Um, he broke on the scene early. I mean, we, we were expecting initially when he first took the field that we would be talking about him in the first round. His production fell off a little bit. But he is young. He's got the length. Uh, someone's going to view him as a very high upside project. So I, I, I'm curious to see if it were, if it comes out where he's placed around like maybe like 41, 42, something like that. I might bet the under. I think he's a very early day two pick. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right, now let's hit the wide receiver position, guys. Both of your mocks, interestingly enough, the most recent mocks, have the first wide receiver off the board being Garrett Wilson at eight to the Falcons. He's plus 105 to be the first off the board. Jamison Williams plus 200. Drake London plus 220. Everybody else is 19 to one or longer odds. Garrett Wilson's position is 10 and a half. The over is plus 120. The under is minus 172. Also, another way to bet it is the Falcons to go wide receiver with their first pick. That's at plus 105, identical odds to Wilson being wide receiver one. Anybody like any props for Wilson specifically? 
No, I, uh, this is what tricky one for me. Cause I don't love the evaluation, but you're hearing what the league says. And so that line being right under Washington is correct. Cause Washington, uh, Washington is pretty clear about what they've liked and they've liked the Ohio state wide receivers this draft cycle. Yeah. I'll take all those bets. <laughs> Give it to me. Uh, Wilson, the top 10. There's also a prop out there of Wilson going top five, which I believe was, let's see, plus 700. Um, I think there's a possibility that the Jets could take him at number four if they really want him uh, because of the fact that they know that there's a good chance he doesn't get past the Falcons. So if they like him, number four is where you got to get him. Whereas, you know, Sauce Gardner, the cornerback, is another player that they're probably considering at number uh, four. But if they don't take him at number four, you can always get Derek Stingley at number 10. So I think there's there's some options for them there. So it's a possibility he goes that high. I, I, and I also like him to be the number one wide receiver because even if it's not um, the Jets or the Falcons, you know, somebody could trade up because he fits what everybody needs. You need a guy with speed. Garrett Wilson does that. You need a guy who does damage after the catch. Garrett Wilson does that. You need a guy who can win in the red zone and go up and get the ball. That's Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a lot of the other receivers in this class sort of fit one niche and Wilson fits everybody. Okay. Now we are projecting in this draft five and a half wide receivers to go in the first round, but the over is set at minus 275. Both of you guys in your latest mock have six going. Very close to that number with the juice, it might make it prohibitive unless you feel extremely confident. So I'm gonna tag this question on to my next one. And if you feel like that there's value in going position over five and a half at minus 275, let me know as well. But Ben, any top 10 or top 32 wide receiver uh, players market that you like, as well as five and a half in the first round, anything there? Yeah, so one of my biggest positions this year is over five and a half receivers, um, which I got it when it was a lot more even juice. At minus 270, we're starting to get into, I mean, sure, go for it if you want, but I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze sort of a situation. Uh, So I I do think that we get six. I think there's the potential for seven. There's just so many teams in the back 20, Chiefs, Cardinals, Packers, who need a wide receiver that it feels like we're going to get Traylon Burks had Arkansas off the board somewhere early 20s and somebody's going to get itchy uh, to the point where he gets six or even seven. And so I like over five and a half. The top 10 receiver bet that I like is Jamison Williams. Uh, you could have got like, I I have it uh, with, a, with a lot longer odds. Plus 200 is probably getting to the point where it's a, it's a fun sprinkle, but you shouldn't really like, you know, hit it too hard. It's still a long shot. But A, we've heard just a ton of juice for, for Jamison Williams over the course of the last few weeks. And B, to Ryan's point, the earlier Garrett Wilson goes, the more potential it comes for Jamison Williams to be that 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 top 10 guy. Unless the team really likes the profile of Drake London as a contested catch dude, we should expect speed to be the early pick at, at wide receiver. You look at what Henry Ruggs was in a class with Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb a couple years ago. And so while London is a likable player, I expect Williams to go earlier. So if you're going to be top 10 odds, which are really similar between the two of them, Williams is the better bet. Okay, Ryan, same question. Any top 10, top 32 wide receivers? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Ben. I initially liked the over on uh, the number of wide receivers in the first round, but starting to lose interest as that number is climbing. Uh, you know, part of the reason why it's climbing is because of those uh, teams at the back end of the first round, Packers at 28 and Chiefs at 29 and 30, who we feel have some level of desperation. Um, but once the draft actually plays out, I'm not sure if they're actually in those posi- in those draft slots needing wide receiver because uh, the Packers could definitely take one at number 22. And the Chiefs, with all their draft capital, I think are a very strong candidate to trade up uh, into the late teens, early 20s to get a mm-hmm. wide receiver. So by the time we actually get to the end of the first round, I'm not sure if uh, there's actually going to be a team feeling the need to reach for that sixth guy. Okay. Uh, any player over-unders for wide receiver market, Ben? 
The Chris Olave market has been a good one. Uh, right now, I think you get him at 17 and a half with a little bit of juice at the under. You look at Washington at 11. Like I said, I think they've really liked the Ohio State receivers this cycle. And then you look at three teams in the Eagles, the Saints, and the Chargers, all of whom comprise the picks from 15 to 19, all of whom can legitimately add speed at wide receiver as a very justifiable first-round pick. Uh, that gives you a nice area for Olave to land. I think that middle teens is a good spot for him. So you are risking him falling to 18 and 19 if you're talking about those teams, but with the Eagles, Saints, and Chargers all being around one another and all knowing what the other needs, I think it's reasonable to expect Olave off the board at 17 and a half. So the under on Olave is a fun one for me. Same question, Ryan. Yeah, the, the only other wide receiver I bet is another is guy that we haven't talked about because he's not going to go in the first round, but there is a line placed on John Mechie, Alabama receiver, yeah, um, at 59 and a half, and I would love to take the over on that. Um, this is a pretty deep class of wide receivers on day two, a lot of similar players to Mechie, and he's injured. So why are you going to reach for that guy when you can take a guy who's healthy? I think he's, there's a pretty good chance he slides uh, deeper into day, deeper into day two, maybe even into the early fourth round. Okay, team to position market on the wide receivers. Any team to draft a wide receiver with their first pick matchup that you like? You guys both, interestingly enough, have the Eagles going wide receiver with their first pick, and that's at plus 300 if you chose to take Eagles to draft wide receiver with their first pick. Uh, but anything that you particularly like in that market, Ben? Yep. I have the Eagles. I have the Saints as well. Uh, got the Saints number at plus 330. The Saints with those two first-round picks are a trade-up candidate, which makes the quarterback market feel more active to them. But look at what the Saints have traded up for. It's usually not quarterback. They're usually doing wild stuff in the first round. Very difficult to prognosticate. But when you look at, at, at the roster, there's such a clear wide receiver need, especially with continued uncertainty around Michael Thomas. So Saints wide receiver market to me is attractive as well. Ryan? Yeah, I'm not that interested in that one. Um, Partially because like what Ben mentioned, the Saints are such a wild card. I'm hesitant to bet anything involving them. They could go completely off the board and do something we haven't talked about. And also the Eagles having two picks, like, you know, who knows when they're going to take a uh, wide receiver or if they're going to take one. Uh, it's, a, it's tough to figure out where the wide receivers go this year, even though we're pretty confident of the range that they're going. Okay. Before we transition to O-line, which we will in a second, Anybody who's online in the wide receiver marketplace that you guys have done work on that you think that you're lower than consensus or higher than consensus that you might be looking to take later on in the draft once you see those over-unders posted? Any Anybody stand out to you from that respect, Ben? Uh, no, the, there's a lot of day three names that I would love to send, or excuse me, some day two, like round three names that I would love to send some flyers on. Like if you can get Sky Moore in the 40s, you can get, you know, uh, Khalil Shakir at a Boise State in the 90s. Like I'll take those because I'm watching these guys. You know what I mean? It's like I have my dudes that I like and like to root for them. But that's generally a really hard, like the range gets so wide in those markets that that's just not a good place to take. Like Ryan said, it's such a deep class. You don't want to have too much uh, at stake when you start to get day two, day three. Okay. Uh, let's pivot over to the O-line now. And both of your mocks have the first O-lineman off the board being Evan Neal at number three to the Texans. He right now is an underdog to be the first O-lineman off the board at plus 150. Iki is the favorite right now at minus 150. Charles Cross at plus 600. Everybody else is 75 to one or larger. Neal's draft position is four and a half. The under is plus 106. Uh, the Texans to draft a lineman with their first pick is plus 160. Since both of you guys are looking at Neil here, have you placed any bets on any of the things that I just mentioned? Do you like any of those bets, Ben? Tackle is the biggest stay away market that there is. Uh, 
every all of them are good, but also all of them might be bad. And the, all, there's 98 teams that need to tackle, and there's impossible to figure out what the consensus is. I I have very few pieces of the tackle market, and I intend to keep it that way unless something changes. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, it is kind of a tricky market, partially because of the uncertainty at the very top of the draft, because what whether, what Jacksonville does might affect what Houston does, and then that affects where all of the tackles go. Because if Houston has a chance to draft Trevon Walker, maybe they do. Um, but if the edge guy that they're faced with is Thibodeau, they probably don't do that. They probably go tackle line. So that's going to just affect where everybody gets slotted in this for the offensive lineman. Okay, so I assume this next question is... A question I can answer for myself, but you both have Iquano going five to the Giants. Um, he's plus 350 to go, number five, exactly. Uh, Giants to draft an O-lineman with their first pick is plus 100. I assume the same answer. You don't want to really dabble in that market? Yeah, if I, if I knew with confidence that Evan Neal was going three to the Texans, then I would feel a lot more confident about Iquano at five to the Giants. But... I doubt. And so that three is still on the table for Aquano, and that makes the exact pick really hard for five for the Giants, especially with them also having seven. And they might know that the Panthers at six hate Aquano. You know, so it's this is this is the problem, man. It's very hard in the tackle market. Same, same for you, Ryan. Yeah, I completely agree with that logic. Okay. So here's one that we get a little bit of disagreement on. Uh, you're very even, is exactly even to be precise with where you have Neil Aquano and Penning going. I think you're one spot difference with Penning, but you're very different on Charles Cross. Um, without spending too much time debating his kind of talent level, although we can get into that slightly. Um, Ryan, you have him going number six to the Panthers. Uh, you don't have them selecting a quarterback. You have them staying put. Uh, ben, obviously you have the Panthers trading out of six, uh, but you have him going number 16 to the Saints. His draft over under is seven and a half. Um, ben, do you did you bet his over seeing it sitting there at seven and a half? Or are you like the rest of the tackle market kind of steering clear of him, even though that's a big diff- discrepancy with where your mock shows him going? Yeah. So I think it can I think there's a chance that a tackle in the top five, you know, seven projection right now falls. In this mock I had it as cross. I'm not taking the over though, because you, we've seen mocks in which Iquan is like on the board for the Giants at five and they or Neil's on the board at five of the Giants and they took Cross instead. You know what I mean? Like it is, I cannot tell you what the consensus one, two, three rank is right now. I don't think Cross is going to be the first, but I, uh, I cannot promise you he isn't. So the Saints to me seem like a clear tackle team. They're, uh, they're a trade-up potential if a guy like Cross starts falling. Uh, them and sitting at 16, if he were falling, would be surprising in general. It's just I had him going to that team because I think that marriage makes sense. But I, I, I can't, like, uh, I'm not taking the over-under on seven and a half. This this tackle market has way too much uncertainty for me to do that. Okay, Ryan, any strong belief there? I, I would guess maybe not because you have him very close to seven and a half, but do you, are you particularly high on him? Yeah, actually, I've had him in the top seven all along, so I do like the under on seven and a half for Cross. I think um, my logic for that very early on in the process was that although there's different opinions on all the tackles in this class. I think cross is probably the one guy that everybody likes um, because he's not going to be a scheme specific guy. Like Evan Neal is probably like 20 years ago, he'd be the number one overall pick in this draft. He's like, if you were looking back when people were looking for like the next Walter Jones, like everyone would like Evan Neal and Aquanu is some people view him as maybe a better fit at guard, you know, like power running teams would probably love to put him at right tackle. Like he'd be a perfect fit for the Titans. If you know, they had a shot at him, like they would love to pl- plug him in as just like a power run blocking right tackle. 
Whereas Cross can kind of do everything. He's a good athlete, but he's also strong. And I think he just sort of fits everybody. I think the reason why early on in the process, people were down on Cross and mocking him a lot lower was a little bit of like the Mike Leach stink that people were like, well, you can't draft a tackle from Mike Leach's system. And I think since Leach is now in the SEC, that's not as big of an issue for anybody anymore because the one thing about that system is that when they do ask you to do more traditional pass set, you're on your own. And so Cross is one-on-one against the best pass rushers in the SEC and for the most part, dominating them. So I don't think that that's a real right. question mark in the NFL. And there's film of Cross playing and not the Leach system too. And he moving people. Mm-hmm. I love Cross's eval. Yeah. I, just, I, I don't have a good beat on the market. Now that we're getting close to the draft, we're starting to hear more specific rumors. And so the fact that he's, I had that logic already and he's now been linked specifically to the Giants and the Panthers, I'm starting to you know up my confidence level. Okay. So let's close out the O-line category by asking any of the typical questions that I've been generally asking, top 32 market, player over and under, pay it player to team with their first pick match, anything else. Ben, is there any O-line prop that you think has value right now? I, I do, yeah. There's top 32 for Tyler Smith, the tackle out of Tulsa to go first round plus 120. Uh, I would put it at like a 55% chance he goes first round off what I've heard. Plus 120, you're getting positive odds. So to me, that's a plus EV bet. I don't like Smith as a first rounder off my watch, but you got to respect what you're hearing. The other thing is that top 32 market, like I said, allows you to, 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 to parlay some bets. And right now they're allow, they're hanging Trevor Penning first round minus 700, hanging Zion Johnson first round minus 500. I'd be shocked if either falls out of the first round. It'd be legitimately stunned given what we've heard over the course of the year for both players. Zion is the consensus top one interior lineman. Penning is a guy that's been mocked as high as 14 to the Ravens, as high as 17 to the Chargers. And you have tackle needs at almost every team all of the time. Uh, so if you want to take a fun first round flyer on a player that you like, go to FanDuel, throw those guys in there, you get a little bit better odds. So I've used both those players in like, probably Zone Ritter, probably Zone Quay Walker, the Georgia linebacker to go first round. Guys who I think have a chance just to make the odds a little better. Ryan, anything else in the O-line category that you think has value? Yeah, nothing specifically, though. The Tyler Smith one makes sense. In a recent version of my mock draft, I did have him in there to the Titans. Yeah. Okay, nice. So a little bit of agreement there, plus 120 on him. All right, let's pivot to the cornerback market. Both of you guys have the same four cornerbacks going in the first round. Sauce Gardner, Stingley Jr., Trent McDuffie, and Kyler Gordon. Though Ryan is higher on Gordon and lower on Stingley than is Ben, The one that's unique because Ben has five going is you've got Elam out of Florida going at 23 to the Cardinals. Elam is plus 150 to go in the first round. His over-under is 35 and a half, minus 115 both sides. Cardinals to draft a cornerback with their first pick is plus 430. Uh, Have you heard anything that's linking him directly to the Cardinals? Have you bet him to go to the Cardinals? How do you plan on attacking him or... Was he yeah. just slotted there on that particular mock and you probably are going to change it? Not yet on the Cardinals, but there will be because if there's a team that cannot keep secrets in April, it is the Arizona Cardinals, baby. Uh, and so we've <laughs> had a lot of success betting the Cardinals first overall, first round pick, I should say, uh, last couple of years. And we hope to continue that that process. Uh, I had corner there because corner makes sense for them, right? They were playing a fourth round rookie last year, Marco Wilson, who was fine, but you can look to improve upon that. Uh, Kyrie Ullum. His teammate out of the same school plays in a similar system. So if they liked and valued uh, Marco Wilson, the ability to play press man, like to be cover one, Elam makes sense on scheme fit wise. So would Kyler Gordon out of Washington. I like Elam as an eval. So I have him as one of those guys who sneaks into those last eight picks, last 10 picks, but plus 150, right? And I, I think I, I have a, 
I have like a parlay on that. Like I think I sprinkled that a little bit, but I haven't heard anything enough to like really hammer that as a likely thing as opposed to like Ritter or Tyler Smith, where I think there's more smoke right now. Just Elam to me, good ball player. And this corner market, I think is going to get hit quick. Uh, you've heard a lot of hype for Sauce moving from top 10 to top five. You've heard hype for Derek Stingley moving from top 15 to top 10. Like, it seems like they're going to go early. Then you have Trent McDuffie out of Washington, who's been mocked as high as I've seen 12 to the Vikings. You see him at 15 to the Eagles. And then it gets really weird. Andrew Booth out of Clemson, injury concerns. Kyer Elam out of Florida, scheme specific. Kyler Gordon out of Washington, project player. Roger McCreary, Auburn, short arms. There's a lot of dudes who could go, and they all have a lot of problems. And so corner in the back half of the first round is going to be weird. And, and, and I'm at the position now where I'm really paying attention to the back half of first round mocks, seeing who's getting the hype like Kyler Gordon has over the last week, because I think that's an actionable market. You see a lot of corners go in the last 10 picks of a draft uh, of a first round. So there's going to be somebody. It's a matter of figuring out who over the next 10 days. Okay. So Ryan, let's open up the cornerback market to any and all things. We know that the position is four and a half corners in the first round. Unders minus 148, overs plus 112. Also top five, top 10, top 32, player over, unders, team to draft, corner with their first pick. Anything is open to you. What do you see has value for the cornerback market? Yeah, this is a position where my uh, personal evaluations differ from what I'm putting in my mock now. I started out because I love Elam personally. I started out having him in my mock draft and have dropped him because it seems like the momentum within the league is that Kyler Gordon's the guy. So the only mm-hmm. bet I have on the cornerback market is Gordon to go in the top 32 at plus 150. It seems like he has pretty much solidified him there. I think especially teams that play a lot of zone coverage, which Washington is basically exclusively zone coverage, uh, are going to view him as a guy who can maybe come in and play right away, but that he does have the traits to develop into a guy who can play some man. So I think teams see him as uh, immediate value with some upside also. So it seems like he has kind of established himself as uh, a guy who lands in the 20s. Yeah, that line opened plus 150 and immediately got hit down to plus 120, like in a heartbeat. And so there's, there's, there's hype right now for Gordon first round. It's a wise bet. What do you think, Ben? Anybody else in this market that you like? Now, Gordon, yeah, Gordon and Elam are the two that are plus money. Like I said, you see a lot of corners go in the last, like once you get past 20, teams want to take a swing on a guy, right? That's a position where you can get athleticism on the field, you can get it some experience, and all of a sudden it, it turns out pretty good for you. So th- I would be stunned if we have only three, right? If it's Saw Stingley and, and, and McDuffie. Uh, Stingley, at this point as well, the LSU corner, Top 10 bets. I haven't taken them yet, but I was going to look at them today because uh, you're continuing to hear that the league has kind of come around on the whole, oh, he took some plays off. He's got a foot injury and they've they've gone back to the freshman film and been like, hey, kid's pretty talented. Maybe we should, maybe we should take him early. All right. So we're going to dive ahead. We're going to combine a couple of markets here. Uh, linebackers and defensive linemen. I'm just going to throw it out there. Anybody have anything of value for any props that you bet, you want to bet on linebackers and defensive linemen. I'll go ahead and start with you, Ryan. Yeah, there's two for these positions. One is the over on Jordan Davis. It's at 14 and a half right now, which I like a little bit less than when it was 15 and a half or when it was 13 and a half, because that gave you the Ravens as a possible win. Yeah. Um, and that, that is realistic. Um, but he's a part-time player. He's a first and second down run stuffer. Um, the traits are crazy good, but uh, can he stay on the field? Can he stay in shape and keep his weight down? Uh, Kirby smart just recently gave a quote, basically saying like, yeah, he can play three downs if he's in shape, <laughs> which is kind of a red flag. Uh, and then the other one is Devin Lloyd, the Utah linebacker. I like the under on him. It's at 18 and a half. I think he specifically benefits from what Micah Parsons did last year because they have some similar traits like Parsons at Penn state. 
Uh, Lloyd is an off-ball linebacker, but he has a little. He's a little bit longer. He probably has some skills to play a little bit on the edge. It was very effective when he was asked to blitz, and so I think that Dan Quinn and Dallas maybe kind of laid out a blueprint for how you can use one of these guys who has some versatile traits. And I think that uh, that maybe boosts his stock a little bit in the eyes of some teams. I love Jordan Davis to death. 14 is is, <laughs> is, is the pivot, right? That's the Ravens that have been linked to Jordan Davis. I think that line moving around 14 is appropriate, so I don't really want to touch that. I'm not a big fan of Devin Lloyd, uh, but the under does make sense in terms of what, what's been marketed. I haven't taken that pick just because you know, I, I hear the Michael Parsons thing. Athletically to me, not, uh, not night and day, but there's, there's multiple tiers between what Micah does when he moves and what Lloyd does when he moves. So I don't personally love Lloyd as a prospect. And I know that once we get past Seattle at nine and they're willing to stick linebackers, we start to get to a lot of analytic oriented teams in the twenties or in the tens, I should say, who are questionable in terms of their linebacker value in the first round. So I, I struggle to place Lloyd. The linebacker bet that I like, which I alluded to earlier is Quay Walker, the linebacker out of Georgia to go first round, which is plus 200 right now in FanDuel. Again, we shouldn't be putting the mortgage on this, but this is a fun one in terms of Nicobe Dean. His teammate had all the run during the season and very quietly Quay Walker's better prospect with the actual measurables that go in the first round in a really light linebacker class. Quay playing as well at around 240 is really important um, because it gives you the ability to put him on a team like the Patriots or put him on a team like the Lions who have linebacker needs but will not take light players at that position. So Quay becomes an important player because among the top guys, he's the one who really plays at the heavyweight uh, and, and that's important to his eval. Okay, so we're going to tackle two totally different markets, but markets that don't have very many likelihood of players going, and that's the safety market and the running back market. Combine these two, one and a half players are being projected for the safety market, and a half a player is being projected for the running back market. Now, both of you guys have three safeties going in your first round, uh, but the juice is minus 260 to the over there. So real quick, ballpark these both. Uh, safety market and running back market, do either of you have, I'll just open-end question, any props that you like for these two markets? I think it's still at minus 260. It's probably yes on the safeties. Uh, we're... Like uh, the, the the tricky thing here isn't do two safeties go. It's do books count Dax Hill as a safety, which they should because he is. This is a player out of Michigan. But at some mocks, you see him listed safety slash corner. And if the NFL or ESPN broadcast puts up like safety slash corner for Dax Hill when he's the 24th overall pick to the Cowboys or what the heck ever, books have a way to get tricky with you. And that's the concern. But you even still have the protection of Lewis Seen out of Georgia, who's a potential, you know, 25 or later guy. Nick Cross out of Maryland has gotten this like random hype to be this like 32nd overall pick, which that would surprise me. But you have uh, uh, safeties, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, Jalen Petrie out of Baylor, who are going to go like top 45. So you have a ton of names. And and and, and with the, the certainty of Kyle Hamilton in the first round, and then the near certainty of Dax Hill in the first round, Safety's over one and a half is still a position that I like. The, the juice was way better earlier. So minus 260 is a lot, but I would be shocked if we have fewer than, than two safeties at this point. Ryan, safeties or running backs? Not much, but yeah, if you can find it at one and a half, I'm completely in agreement with that. I thought it had risen to two and a half when I saw and that one. I was going to bring up the Dax Hill issue as a concern. If it's available for you at two and a half, I might stay away for that reason because I believe what happens there is they do what depend all depends on what the team writes down on the draft card. And so like if a team like Buffalo decides to draft Dax Hill and they right. write down cornerback, then he's a cornerback no matter what position he ends up playing in the future. So yeah, at one and a half, love the over. If it, if you can only get it at two and a half, then that's maybe a stay away for that reason. Okay. So I want to go no logic or analysis. We're going to recap some of the things and add anything else that you guys like. 
Do you have a specific prop bet that's tied to information or connecting the dots on that you really like, that you really feel strongly about right now? And what would you say your top few strongest props are? Don't defend them, just list them for us. I'll start with you, Ben. What are like your top three to five strongest props and, and are any of these really information dot connecting? Is that's like, like that's generally still available? Yes, yeah. correct. Uh, Andrew Booth overs, uh, the Clemson corner, big injury flag on Andrew Booth. Uh, good player, but it's a, like I said, there's a lot of corners that exist in that late round one area and Booth has a big injury red flags. He's got sports hernia problems. Uh, he was available at, at over 26 and a half on April 13th. I would guess that number is probably like 29, 30 at this point, if not higher, but I would be very surprised if he's a first round pick. Uh, like I said, I'm heavy on Desmond Ritter first round. Uh, that's in terms of people that I've talked to my evaluation and understanding of the quarterback class. Uh, and so Ritter first round at minus 135 is one that I still like. And then off of what I've heard and what I believe to be true, Trayvon Walker as the first overall pick still being in plus money to me is I would like I would take it. I would it's not a full send. It's not a oh we know who the first round pick is. It's it's a house divided. We know that he's one of the options in the house and he's plus money and the other guy isn't. Like that that to me is a plus EV bet even if it doesn't hit. Like I said I'm not full shipping on it, but that's to, that that to me is value. Okay, same question for you Ryan. Uh what are your top few prop bets and which ones are most tied to information you've received? Yeah, I think that of the ones we've talked about, my two most confident ones are probably Charles Cross under and the Devin Lloyd under. I think those are probably, of everything we've discussed today, those are my two favorites. I'm not sure, I haven't looked up team-specific stuff, but of one that we haven't mentioned that I, I think is worth looking into is betting cornerback for the Vikings' first pick. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, them, Stingley or McDuffie, uh, and I would lean towards McDuffie at this point. Okay, I'm trying to find what the marketplace is right now on Minnesota to go cornerback. Uh, they are DB is the favorite at plus one fifteen. Um, oh, that gets so, you Hamilton protection as well. That's yeah. pretty nice. Yeah, it's all DBs plus one fifteen to Minnesota, and then obviously you can probably improve your odds if you're going to uh, do something specific to that particular player. Well, that'll do it, guys. Uh, this was a great information-packed show. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with another NFL Draft-focused episode next week for some final mock drafts. Thanks to Ben Solak and Ryan McChrystal for joining me. Thanks to Mike Wargon for producing the show. We will see you guys later. <laughs>